easy for friends. My name is Neil, and welcome to this episode 108 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV, and pop culture goodness from our studio, direct to your listening or watching device. Happy New Year! This is our first podcast of 2024. We somewhat accidentally ended up taking the entire of December off, but a mental health break is a mental health break nonetheless. But we are back with a very exciting first episode for the brand new year. I hope everyone had a good break over the holidays. I hope you all well rested. I hope you got some good presents. And uh, yeah, it's time to get back to work, I think, unfortunately. So this episode, we are doing a deep dive into the first of Warner Brothers and DC's three-part Crisis on Infinite Earths animated movie. Part one is available already on digital platforms here in the UK and globally and comes to 4K Blu-ray Steelbook on January the 29th, 2024. Part two is coming very, very soon, though I can't tell you when. And part three will be with us probably sooner than you think it will be. So we are going to talk a little bit about the comic book. We're going to talk a bit about the film. And we are also going to be joined by three very special guests this episode. You may have heard them on this podcast before. It is always a pleasure to talk to the creative teams behind these movies. But we are going to be joined by director Jeff Wamister, who has worked on nearly every single one of the Tomorrowverse movies from Justice Society World War II right through to this Crisis three-part storyline. We're going to be joined by producer and writer of this film, Jim Krieg, as well as longtime DC producer Butch Lukic. I sat down with them recently for a chat about how they crafted the Tomorrowverse and how they brought crisis from such a legendary 12-part comic book to the screen uh, but i figure before we get down to that it's probably worth going over some of the history of crisis on infinite earths and crisis in general and what that means to a dc fan so in case you are not already clued in it is time for a history lesson so crisis on infinite earths uh, was a 12-part story which was written by marv wolfman and illustrated by the late great george perez it came about at a time when DC and comic books in general were really starting to put focus into the idea of continuity. When comic books were first created, when Superman, when Batman, Wonder Woman, all of these characters were first invented, the idea of continuity was a lot less prevalent than we would find in comic books now. So as writers would come and go or artists would come and go, there would be changes that would just invariably happen to fit with the story that that creative team was wanting to work on so you know certain aspects would always remain the same superman would always come from krypton as a baby batman's parents were always murdered in crime alley but certain things would change so sometimes batman would be a scientist sometimes he's a millionaire things like that would change or they would introduce a character like uh for instance uh batwoman where you had the kind of the the Catty Kane type version of the character, then you would have a Batgirl introduced, then someone would decide that maybe the origin of one of them wasn't quite right, so they would invent a new version of that character. And so continuity, whilst not a mess, or something that was really being so heavily focused on, was something that comic book companies realised was a potential issue moving down the line. The longer that the popularity of these stories would, would be maintained, they would need to have... A better sense of storytelling broadly because if you it's like almost if you look at a show like the simpsons where no one has aged that can only work so well uh, particularly in a comic book format so it was decided that they needed to tighten up their continuity maybe trim some of the strange weird and wonderful changes that had happened and bring everything into more of a a unified view moving forwards 
And so Marv Wolfman began this storyline, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which would see the entire of DC crumbling from its kind of slightly messy structure into this multiverse that was in danger uh, from a villain known as the Monitor. Obviously, if you have watched Crisis on Infinite Earths, the five-part crossover from uh, CW's Arrowverse, you will be somewhat familiar with the concept as well. Um, and so what Crisis did was through this huge storyline which uh, melded all the different versions of characters together and it introduced this concept that there could be multiple different Earths. We're about to be joined by a fourth guest. Oliver is lurking. Um, it, yeah, it took the idea that when we'd seen these weird twists and changes that different creative teams had created, that they were in fact different versions of these characters from different Earths. And so that instantly invented the idea of the multiverse. And what DC then did was use the threat of the Monitor and his antimatter wave to uh, move certain pieces around and create an Earth with the parts of characters that they wanted to use, take others and put them on other Earths that they could revisit later if they wanted to, or introduce the concept that other alternate ideas could then be used on alternate Earths that wouldn't impact the main continuity. And it gave you your main through line continuity moving forwards and just cut some of the things that they didn't want to have anymore. And so, yes, characters were killed off. Huntress had previously been invented as a Helena Wayne version of the character who was the, the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. She was written out during Crisis and was replaced by what we now know as the Helena Bertinelli version of the character that exists in main continuity, or does she if you're reading the Justice Society comic book? Um, and so that was the, the broad strokes version of what they used it for. It was just to, it was to neaten things up and to allow them to take more control over their narratives moving forwards. But it also offers up this huge opportunity, which we now know as Elseworlds, which is where stories like Gotham by Gaslight can come in, whereby you can come up with this crazy concept for a character that we already know. And rather than have it impact on your, your main continuity or do something weird that interrupts the narrative flow of what's happening in the main DCU, you can do it, you can plop it onto a different Earth and it kind of has its own place. It exists in its own place within the DC multiverse. So that was the idea of Crisis. Now, obviously, there have been many, many more crises since then. Uh, nine of them, I think, judging up to the latest one. So we've had things like Identity Crisis, Heroes in Crisis, the most recent one, was Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was Joshua Williamson's big storyline a couple of years ago. And so DC crises are often used uh, as these huge multiverse ending events that are, are used to help shift things around in the DCU a little bit when they need to switch things up. And so it's become a really wonderful narrative. I don't want to say crutch because that makes it sound like it's when there's a weakness. When you need to make a big change, a crisis is a great way to do that. And so here we are. We are now at a point where obviously the uh, the DC animated universe came to an end with Justice League Dark Apocalypse War back in 2018. Um, and the Tomorrowverse was invented. We got introduced to Darren Chris's Superman in Superman Man of Tomorrow. We've been introduced to Jensen Ackles' Batman, Stan Akatik's Wonder Woman, Matt Bomer's Flash. Throughout this series of movies that have led up to this point. The most recent one was Justice League War World, which was released back in July, believe it or not, from San Diego Comic-Con. And that was where we were introduced to this idea that maybe War World was going to be the threat. And at the end of it, it was revealed that there was a crisis coming. And that's where we are now with Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, which is available, as I said at the top of this podcast, digitally uh, now and comes to Blu-ray, uh, 4K Blu-ray Steelbook on January the 29th. So I want to segue into the animated movie, 
Uh, and before we sit down for our interview with the creators, I think it's worth uh, just talking a bit about the cast and the setup for this movie. So I, I just named a bunch of them there. So you have Matt Bomer as The Flash, Jensen Ackles Batman, Darren Criss Superman, Meg Donnelly Supergirl, Stan Akatic Wonder Woman, Jimmy Simpson is back as Green Arrow, Zachary Quinto is back as Lex Luthor, Jonathan Adams is voicing uh, the, the Monitor, Ike Amadi as John Jones, Jeffrey Arend as Psycho Pirate, Zach Callison as Dick Grayson, who's being introduced for the first time in this film, Alexandra Daddario is back as Lois Lane, Alistair Duncan as Alfred, uh, Atto Asando as Mr. Terrific, Cynthia Hamidi as Dawnstar, Aldous Hodge as John Stewart, Erica Ishii as Dr. Light, David Kay as The Question. I don't, I'm reading this from IMDb as I'm talking to you, and I do not want to miss Iris West because she's such uh, an integral part of this movie. Uh, so you also, where is she? Uh, David Kay as The Question, Ashley Lathrop as Iris West, Matt Lanter as Blue Beetle, Liam McIntyre as Aquaman, Nolan North as Hal Jordan, he's also voicing Amazo. Lou Diamond Phillips as the Spectre, Keisha Sharp as Vixen, and Harry Shum Jr. is also back as Brainiac 5. So if you have been a fan of the Tomorrowverse movies, all of those names will pretty much ring a bell to you. What it has now been revealed that uh, Jim Creek, Butch Lukic, and to a degree Jeff, who has been directing for, for several of these movies, have done, along with uh, the writers across these films, so uh, the wonderful Tim Sheridan, who we interviewed back for Superman, A Man of Tomorrow, Jeremy Adams, who has written a number of these movies as well. Uh, what they have done, they have genuinely crafted a, I believe it's seven, let's do it, uh, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Batman Long Halloween, Part 1, Part 2, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, this is not in order, Justice Society, uh, World War Two, Legion, uh, Legion of Superheroes, and uh, Justice League War World. So the seven movies up to this point, this is the eighth now, have built an arc perfectly towards crisis we have been introduced to certain characters along the way that are important to the crisis storyline we've also been introduced to certain aspects that are important to the crisis storyline which we didn't realize it at the time but all of it has been building from that introduction of superman man of tomorrow right through to this point so you know uh, like supergirl uh, you had the future time travel in there. Uh, you had the ideas around her abilities and Brainiac and all of those characters. You have the Flash introduced in Justice Society World War II. And that's not just a simple Flash story. That's obviously a Flash story where he runs to another Earth. So that in uh, introduces the idea of the multiverse and multiple dimensions. And in Justice League War World, you're introduced to what could be multiple versions of the Trinity as well. So Wonder Woman not recognising that superman as her superman her superman being someone slightly older who you do get introduced to in the movie which we will get down to in a minute um all of the different aspects of storyline which are important to crisis all of those different elements have been introduced across those seven movies to the point that would prepare us for this three-part storyline which i think is absolutely fantastic and i did have to remark during my interview that i didn't see it coming which is ridiculous i and well, i say ridiculous it's ridiculous but it's very exciting because there's a dc fan who you know looking by the shelves behind me i read a lot of dc i live a lot of dc it's in my artwork it's on my shelves there's action figures there when i'm surprised because i don't know the direction of travel of a storyline then i am very very happy so it was cool that this came as a surprise to me um and i think that's probably a good place to stop and let the creators tell us about this so i sat down with as i said director jeff wanister who has worked on several of these movies 
Jim Creek, who's produced everything up to this point and has written Crisis on Infinite Earths, and Butch Lukic, who has been a producer on all of these movies as well. We've all talked at different points about this universe before. I only met Jim for the first time at San Diego Comic-Con last year, so this was only the second time we've spoken. Um, and there was so much I wanted to talk to them about. I had loads of questions written down where I was going to ask about certain characters, uh, certain things which could be considered spoilery, which we will get to once we get to the to the review of the film, which I will, will kind of dive into after this interview. Um, there were lots of aspects of kind of what storyline threads did you want to pull from the book, what things did you need to change that I really wanted to talk about. But what I kind of realised going into this is I've only seen chapter one of a three-part story. So whilst there are aspects of the book which are absent from this first film, that is not to say that they're not going to come in in chapter two or chapter three. So I kind of felt like I didn't want to go down a line of questioning that might end up being completely pointless when it comes to films that we're about to get in the next few months. And hopefully I will get to chat to these guys again and dive a little bit deeper into some of those aspects later on once we have a fuller idea about what it is they're actually doing. So I decided that what we would do with this interview is talk about bringing crisis to the screen celebrating the tomorrowverse creating the tomorrowverse crafting this eight film storyline so far what will be a kind of 10 11 storyline film by the time universe by the time it's done um and so i very much wanted to talk to them about that i wanted to celebrate the fact that jeff has worked on so many of these films and that justice society world war ii was his first time directing with dc so this is a kind of this is an interview where we we laugh quite a lot i apologize uh we very much talk about crafting crisis, bringing crisis to the screen and, and what that means and how that works. So sit down for the next 10 minutes and enjoy uh, me having uh, a blast with some people that I feel very blessed to have interviewed several times over the last few years. Thanks very much. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to see you all again. How are you doing? All good. You? Great. Nice to see you again. Yeah, good. Thank you. It's been it's been a while. I think it was San Diego Comic Con the last time I saw you when we were all in a room mm -hmm. for... Uh, war world um so first oh, of all those rooms are hard those rooms are oh, so hard yeah that's it's, the crisis that is the real goal. Yeah, that's you, the real crisis so congratulations I, I this is a storyline that i've wanted to see you guys do for a while and i was so excited particularly the fact that this is you know three parts and it's this big epic story and i absolutely loved part one um Jim that and Butch, is the right we're... answer this guy's our favorite guy <laughs> keep talking say more okay, okay yeah now i wanted to come to you first jim and butch just to kind of talk about how you mapped out the journey for for the Tomorrowverse, kind of from man of tomorrow up to this point how did you can you talk me a little bit through laying out the plan for building towards crisis yeah i mean originally we knew we had to lay out five or six seven movies beforehand and we just had titles for uh, like a few of them, uh, Long Halloween, we didn't, we obviously knew what the story was going to be. Man of Tomorrow, we kind of didn't. And then beyond that, Justice Society, we knew we had to get to World War II and Earth II. Uh, but as far as where we went with that, to Crisis, it didn't really come about until we were working out the scripts and the story. And then it's like, okay, wedge this character in. We can later <laughs> bring them into crisis and wedge this character so it's all done by not originally we had it fully worked out it's like as we went along because jim was constantly going i don't 
I don't know how we're going to get to crisis. And then all of a sudden he had a bright idea like Stan Lee. You know? Yeah, I'm just like Stan Lee standing on the desk. <laughs> I don't get out. this crap. That's hey, what, wait a minute. That's what, what Jeff waits card? for. He was like, Jim, can you stand up on the desk and act it out? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, we did know that it was going to be crisis. And so pouring through those issues and seeing what characters were absolutely vital yeah. gave us a roadmap of who we needed to establish in this reality. And um, amusingly, when we started, the world was so different that we felt like we needed an entire movie, and that was the, the um, Justice Society movie, to establish what uh, a parallel Earth is. And, that, and by the time we were actually making this movie, there were everything was uh, a multiverse and we felt like we're like we were introducing the work so it's like earth 2 is another earth where that's just like ours but different things happened and by the time it was out it was like every movie was a multiverse already um but uh because it takes just that long uh but yeah so we knew we knew the scenes we wanted and the big epic moments that were that people remember from crisis on infinite earths and knowing what characters were needed, we reverse engineered back to who should be in what movie and how we could, you know, hopefully make people uh, fall in love with them. So when they're brutally killed, they'll feel bad. It worked. <laughs> yeah, I totally. When that and the, you know, when the when the wave is coming towards Earth, I genuinely I'm on the edge of my seat and I, I'm anxious for these characters, even though, you know, we've only spent seven, eight movies with them up to this point. Jeff, coming to you, I mean, the first time you and I spoke for Justice Society World War Two, you know, we were talking about the fact that this was the first time you were directing one of these DC projects. So how does that feel for you now? I mean, not only have you brought this crisis level event to the screen, but you've also mm. been involved so intrinsically with the whole arc up to this point. How does that, that feel as a director? Uh, I didn't know the complete plan of what these guys were doing. Um, we so, didn't know the plan either, so I yeah. couldn't touch it. <laughs> so, Don't tell you know. them that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Um, I mean, Jeff kept asking, what what's going on here, and where, where's this character going? I'm like, oh, just wait. Wait, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. That we'll was good. You. That was good for Jeff. It kept him kind of going on a course that helped him uh, be more spontaneous with some of the storytelling. But yeah, you're, it, you're right. This has been a whole journey for Jeff to go from first-time director yeah. to exhausted mm -hmm. veteran. <laughs> the space of what? What, two, what three are you talking years? about? Three movies in a row of Crisis? <laughs> That wasn't it's like, at it's all. like this starts with you as the new recruit in Vietnam, like, hi guys, how's Vietnam? You know, and then it just ends and like after tour number 10. I'm like, I'm fine, guys. <laughs> you don't even say hello to the new recruits. You know, they're going in the meat grinder. Uh, um, it was fun because it, it forced me to also take one movie at a time. So yeah. it wasn't like I need oh my god, I need to do this or I need to do that. You know, as Butch was saying, like a little more spontaneous, and I wasn't trying to uh, keep myself too penned in, you know, in that process. So it was mm. to kind of work with Butch, who would kind of pull me in on the guardrails, you know, on it. Like, oh, we can't quite go that way or this way. Um, it, it put me in a good spot to be really creative with some of the answers that we had to come up with or challenges that came up as we went along. And then kind of see all of that uh, 
um, process come to an end like this, where it, it culminates in this big series of movies and knowing like, oh no, we need to do this or that with this character. Or, like, here's the consequences. I was able to, I think, be a little more attached to each one and see where I wanted to do when we got to that crisis. Um, actually have a little more spontaneous uh, reaction to like, oh no, we should kind of push here or push that or up the drama on this part to make this character feel. And and then also be like, oh, let's look at some of the original material and how they died. And like, maybe we can play with that spot shot or maybe we can make something work where we can really add to that. Because, you know, what George Perez did with a lot of those shots where you're like, oh, that's, oh my God, <laughs> it's so tragically, you know? And we're also attached to it. It it was uh, it it made it a little more visceral in the process when we got to crisis, which I think comes across on the screen. Absolutely, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you you've got not only the huge ensemble cast, but visually, there's so many more characters on the screen and so many more elements than than we kind of you know have seen in some of the previous movies all mm-hmm. all happening at the same time. So again, kind of just sticking with directing for a second. How did you know? How did that differ from some of the previous ones? Or did it differ? Or is it just, a, you know, another day of the office at this point? Uh, well, I mean, part of it is the same. I mean, yeah, but also, like, we're trying to honor kind of like a lot of what they did in the movies as much as we could in terms of, like, you know, how people died and how things happened and progressed in terms of, like, that sense of consequence throughout it. Um, but, you know, it, it also was, there was a lot of energy that I had during it because i when i grew up on it so it was pretty exciting to do jeff is one of the few people who would come into the office and when we were in during the middle of covid it it was like working in the overlook hotel from the shining it was you know (laughs) there was room for 700 people but there's basically jeff and i and a couple people on the other side of the building so (laughs) so if if it was you're getting really stir crazy i'd go in and check on what he was doing and the 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 takeaway is this didn't get easier it wasn't like oh no i'm gonna it's because each movie ended up having another challenge and then once you were in crisis there were so many characters but i would go in and visit jeff and he would show me the animatic and i'd be like oh that's a lot of people to oh i guess i did say that didn't i because it's (laughs) it's one thing to say these seven characters are at the uh at the tuning fork <laughs> you know and it's another yeah. thing to draw them over and over again so mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> well jeff didn't have all the complete models of a lot of these characters so basically going through the storyboard and the animatic a lot of these uh the elements weren't even complete yet so unfortunately that is how animation is i know yeah. artists love to complain about it board guys especially where's we never get models it's like well that's how it's always been I've been doing this for 33 years. I never had models on BTAS. You know, they always came after you finishing the fucking There's also so many characters and they have so many powers that I remember like Jeff is like saying, well, this is a hard fight because, you know, she can fly. And I'm thinking, she can fly? <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> right. Oh. There is a lot of that that Jeff had to go through as far as we mm-hmm. had to find out from DC themselves what some of these characters we just really weren't familiar with. So what are their powers and what do they do and they don't do? Even if they were in the background, uh, we'd still needed them somewhere else eventually. They also yeah. change. Amazing Man has several different versions of what his powers are. So we just picked the one that yeah. was most useful for the movie. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, that is it for my time. I'm stuck with what the eighty. Thank you so much for for taking this. Yeah, no, you got to say more nice things about it. You're the one. Oh, well, <laughs> no, I I could say so much. There are so many things I want to say, but I don't want to get into spoiler territory for part two or part three. And so I, I just thought let's talk about bringing crisis to the screen and hopefully we'll get to chat again about parts two and parts three and we can dive in a little deeper on some of the big spoilery moments and i will of course heap praise on you because it will be brilliant i'm sure it will um <laughs> I'm supposed to stay for for part two tomorrow. Tomorrow. yes yeah. i've just seen the tease the tease for the teaser so i'm looking forward to seeing what's to come from that tomorrow but thank you thank you so much guys it's a pleasure as always i'll see you again thank next you time so much. And a massive thank you again to Jeff, to Jim, and to Butch for sitting down to chat with me. I really, really hope, just as a fan of these films, that the way that parts two and three will line up is that I uh, will get to talk to them maybe in person at San Diego Comic-Con to celebrate the Tomorrowverse and the end of this trilogy, because it would be amazing to be able to do that. Um, Obviously, you've seen me do that at the last couple of Comic-Cons, and... I, it would just be really wonderful for me as a fan and my fan journey and my kind of fan journalist journey with these films to, to be able to do that. So let's now uh, give you some of my thoughts on the film. Uh, there will be some minor spoilers. So if you've not seen the film yet, you might want to pause right now, go watch it and come back later on. If you are not scared of spoilers, then <laughs> let's go. Let's dive in. You can also read my review over on our website, which if you haven't been, is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. So I absolutely adored Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, and I am not ashamed to say it. Uh, This is a storyline which I have been hoping for some time that they would tackle, uh, as you've just heard me say in the interview there. Um, It's something that I feel like this creative team, you know, Butch and Jim, who have been working on these movies for years now, deserve the chance to be able to tackle it. The elephant in the room is obviously that a lot of people will presume that this is happening because of DC Studios. That isn't necessarily the case. I think it it's somewhat just timing that this has happened. Uh, there was probably an awareness that there would be some kind of studio change coming with Discovery coming on board, buying Warner Brothers. And so it feels like it was the right time for this to happen, regardless of whether it is because of what's coming or not. Um, and there's no need to waste any more time or breath on that because it is what it is this is a wonderful arc which you know as we've been talking about starts with man of tomorrow and builds up to this point so what i really appreciated with crisis on infinite earths is the fact that they have not tried to bend the characters from the tomorrowverse who have been introduced and make them fit the story of crisis what they have instead done is take the story of Crisis on Infinite Earths. They've taken Marv Wolfman's words and George Perez's wonderful, wonderful illustrations, and they have bent that story to fit around the Tomorrowverse. So some character roles have changed. In this first part, there are certain aspects of the comic book which do not appear. So if you're very familiar with the comic, you'll know that it starts out on Earth 3 with the Crime Syndicate, which is where this film also has a lot of its first uh, first act. But as that storyline comes to an end in the comic, Alexander Luther Jr. is sent across the multiverse and is an integral part of the ongoing Puff Crisis. And Alexander Luther does not appear in, in this film. So there are there are some major changes, but they are not necessarily to save time or any of that. It's all about making Crisis on Infinite Earths a story about the Tomorrowverse. And that is why 
Matt Bomer's flash is right in the center of everything. His relationship with uh, with Ashley Lothrop's Iris is really key to this film and adds a wonderful human element to it, which is really gorgeous as it plays out on screen. Really heartbreaking as well, and it adds a different dynamic. In the comic book, I mean, obviously they're similar mediums in that it's, you know, we're not talking about live action here, but there is there's still kind of budget and production time scales which need to be thought about when you're working on an animated movie so it's not like the the monitor's base could have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of characters because obviously someone has to animate that that's someone's time that's effort and in a comic book yes you have deadlines but you you know you're working to what can the artist draw on the page and so part of the joy of crisis is the the scale and scope of it and how it works on the page and how you're able to draw these absolutely wild panels that you just couldn't do in for instance live action and some of that has to be rescaled for animation as well to make it work and that is done perfectly and to counterbalance that is this wonderful emotional human heart underneath it and that comes in kind of three ways really at the forefront is is the flash and iris so barry and iris's relationship which we see across multiple time periods you also have a really surprising familial storyline for bruce you have the introduction of Dick Grayson and then you have when, you know, later in the film when things are starting to break down and things are really starting to become clear. You have the introduction of some other characters who are very important to him, but from a multiverse aspect, which adds a different element to his character, gives him something else to fight for. And then with Darren Chris as Superman, you call right back to Man of Tomorrow and his really wonderful relationship with Alexandra Daddario as, as Lois Lane. And that comes back into the fore. And so there are these wonderful human connections for each of the characters, which really underpin all of everything, all, you know, that huge scale action that's going on elsewhere in the film. And I really applaud that because that feels very Tomorrowverse. The Tomorrowverse has had really wonderful relationships throughout every single film. You know, you go back to Justice Society World War II and you look at the relationships that that Wonder Woman had. You look at Man of Tomorrow and you see the relationship that, that Superman and Lois have. You look at Batman's kind of lack of connection in in long halloween really only having alfred and then you see how much he's impacted by having those relationships now and it just it really ties every it's so difficult to say it ties everything together nicely because it both doesn't it doesn't because there are still more two more films to come but you can feel how much all of the different elements are pulling through all of this series of films and having all of those supporting characters so you have the green lanterns you have the John, let's say John Stewart, that is Green Lantern. You have John Jones. You have all of these characters who you've met in different respects. And then when you add the multiverse factor, you you know, you know get the Black Canary from Justice Society World War II. You have a different Aquaman and stuff in there. It's, it's a really wonderful homage to all of the DC Universe, as well as the Crisis storyline, as well as the stories that these filmmakers have, have created across this universe so far. And... For that, I just massively applaud this film for doing everything basically perfectly. And the other thing that is really surprising, and there will be criticism of it online, because I'm sure there are people that feel like we've reached this point too early and that you shouldn't do this until 20-odd films down the line, but you do have to accelerate some of those relationships. So Dick Grayson really only has one scene before everything starts to fall apart and you have to kind of just really suspend disbelief to understand that the reactions that Bruce has to, to thinking that his world is going to end. But I've forgotten my point, which is terrible, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so there will be some criticism that it feels a bit like 
everything has been kicked into high gear and there's been some kind of fast forward to reach this point but it just works and so this is this is where crisis really surprised me i didn't really have any concerns going into it i was excited to see what they would do but there is there there was a feeling of i wonder how much i will care not knowing if these characters would survive this film you know for all we knew we were going to come into chapter one and at the end of this first film the Tomorrowverse Earth may have been wiped out and we'd have spent the second film with one or two survivors working with the Monitor to try and figure out how to save other Earths or everyone could have been wiped out and they'd have pulled the characters from the previous version of the universe or who knows what they could have done. And there will be wild speculation, especially based on what the Arrowverse did with the Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline as to who could pop up, what voices could pop up, what characters... If you've seen the trailer, the teaser trailer for Chapter 2, then you'll know there is a very exciting character who has been added to the lineup. Um, yee. Uh, <laughs> so not knowing where it was going to go, that was that was my only point where I thought, hmm, I wonder what how this will be tackled and how I will react to how is it tackled. And so when I first watched the film and it reaches the point where the antimatter wave is headed towards uh, Earth 1, which is the Tomorrowverse Earth, uh, and our characters are basically resigned to their fate. You've already seen the crime syndicate, their Earth, Earth 3 being being destroyed. And there's this moment where all of the characters that we've met in this film across this universe are essentially waiting for their death. They are doing nothing other than watching the wave come towards them. And uh, the, the sense of... Oh, here's our, uh, here's our other guest host for the day. Hello. Uh, the sense of anxiety and excitement and anticipation was really incredible and it really surprised me. Uh, and I have watched the film a couple more times since then and it is still a really exciting moment as they all just resign themselves to die. And I think that's incredible on the part of everyone involved with making the film that they were able to take a bunch of animated characters who we've really only seen over the last sort of two to three years, really, when you think about it, and make us care about them to the point where we do not want them to be killed off by this antimatter wave, and we are worried for them as an audience when we think that that might actually happen. And so that alone is why I ended up giving this film five stars in my review, because well done. I mean... You wouldn't have been able to get that kind of effect if we'd only had one or two films, but really in a short space of time, they've created a, a wonderful set of characters with some really wonderful casting. Matt Bomer has such a human voice that he is perfect as Barry Allen. And you, you know, you only have to look at social media to see how much people celebrate Jensen Ackles and would love him to play a live action Batman. Or how warmly people have come to love uh Darren Chris as Superman, Meg Donnelly, for if we are if rumor is to be believed, then Meg Donnelly is testing to potentially be our live action Supergirl in James Gunn's DCU, which is incredible. Again, she's only been in two films, and so you, it's just yeah, the writing is impeccable, and I really really applaud that across the board. I think there is a way this film could have ended which may have been a little bit more exciting. However, I really appreciate where this film ends leading into part two 
uh, it needed to reach a point where you could kind of close off a chapter and leave us wondering what would happen next. I wondered whether the film would leave us on a sense of not knowing the fates of our characters. And so on first watch, I did wonder how far it would go beyond that once it does reach beyond that point. And there's a little push and pull in me between there was a really sort of jaw-dropping ending where I would be sat here going, oh my God, I don't know what's happened. What Like, what is happening? I don't, I can't, like, I can't wait. Uh, whereas instead, it's more narratively fulfilling. So you could watch chapter one, you will be fulfilled by chapter one and have plenty of questions for going into chapter two. So I think it works. I think it works really well. In terms of the animation, and I don't want to... I could go on about this for a very long time because we've talked about it before and how Otto Schmidt is the the kind of the inspiration between some of the design work here with the kind of thicker line work and the the more flat sounds bad but I don't mean it in a critical way kind of coloring of the of the characters and the the world that they inhabit but I think this is uh, the best we've ever seen this animation style look and I know we've talked about it in some of the previous interviews how from man of tomorrow onwards they've made small tweaks to just kind of improve and work on the overall style much as they did with the with the previous set of films which had a more a more 2d more almost sort of eastern anime inspiration to them uh, but it, it looks so great it's so dynamic it works really well with the idea of crisis and so i think this is probably the best looking of these films as well i feel like it's really stepped up even from last year's war world to the point where we we reach this big multiversal story and i think it looks really great on screen and that's important because when you've got multiple supermen, multiple, let's not say too many, uh, when you've got multiples of characters, it's important that you're able to kind of delineate between who is who. And you need those visual cues. So the animation style is really heavily relied upon to be able to do that. And it works perfectly. Um, I'm slightly worried I'm going to get into spoiler territory if I say too much more. Uh, what else do I want to say? Oh, yeah, I, I do want to say a little bit more about... Uh, Iris and Barry just because it's such a wonderful wonderful storyline between them I think it was a really nice idea to shift Barry into a more central focus it works in terms of the Tomorrowverse but it also works well for this adaptation of the story and having Matt Bomer and that as you know as I just said his his really human voice at the core of it works so well because you you do feel like Barry is carrying the weight of the multiverse on his shoulders he has seen some really terrible things across this film and then iris not referred to as his lightning bolt um though it felt like that was something i should have said um <laughs> having her with him and seeing kind of going back to when they first connected seeing their their wedding and seeing a future version of them kind of really futilely fighting to save the multiverse or to at least save their earth and their relationship and each other is is really really cool to see and i think was a really neat way of uh tying everything together in terms of the storyline and it'll be interesting to see how that might work in in future parts as well whether the focus will shift a little bit as the story grows and changes towards its conclusion or how much barry will end up being the focus of the whole trilogy so that's really exciting to see moving into the the future parts uh now then um there is another thing that I want to talk about, and this was something that I really did want to mention in my interview, but I just didn't have time. If you have sat through the end credits of this film, if you watch this film and there there was a character whose voice stuck out to you particularly, and then you got to the end credits and you wondered why a name 
was missing or there might be some misdirection. This is something I want to touch on. So in the comics, there was a character called Pariah. In the Arrowverse, if you if you haven't read the comic but you've watched the Arrowverse version, this was a role that uh, Tom Kavanagh's character took on. Now, Pariah in the comic is someone who is on every Earth as it dies. He is kind of being pulled around the multiverse and he's kind of doomed to watch each of the Earths die. It's his kind of punishment for things that he has done. And there is a character referred to only in the credits of this film as Homeless Man, who you meet on each of the Earths. Him and Barry come into contact with each other a few times. And he isn't called Pariah, he is just Homeless Man. And he he's credited in the end credits to Nolan North, the wonderful, wonderful Nolan North, uh, who also voices Hal Jordan and Amazo. But I call bull on that because he sounds very, very, very much like Matt Ryan to me. Now, I didn't ask about it in my interview, so I don't know. This is not me confirming anything. This is my kind of theorising. It sounds like Matt Ryan to me. And his character at one point in the film, kind of echoing the idea of Pariah, talks about having to watch these Earths die as his punishment for something that he, and potentially he and Flash, has done in the past. Now, that echoes some of Constantine's dialogue from Constantine House of Mystery, the wonderful short from uh, a couple of years ago, I think, um, when he when we pick up with Matt Ryan's Constantine living in the House of Mystery and in sort of in limbo after the end of the previous universe and that he is kind of doomed to just float around without a home, without a place, because his universe was brought to an end. Now, if you flash back to Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, how did that universe come to an end? That universe came to an end when they had been absolutely devastated by Darkseid and Apocalypse. Heroes were dead. People had been irreversibly changed by their experiences. And as all of the remaining heroes, dead, dying, alive, were on that rock at the end, it was Constantine, Matt Ryan's Constantine, who ignited the idea in Flash to run so hard that he would reset the universe. So I wonder whether Homeless Man, not voiced by Nolan North, but potentially voiced by Matt Ryan, is really Matt Ryan's Constantine, and that he, from connecting the world from those previous series of movies into House of Mystery, into the Tomorrowverse, is paying for what he did with the Flash. And that is also why Flash is now a central part and is travelling between these Earths and seeing things come to an end. I do not know. That is not something that's hinted at in any of the, the teaser for part two. I don't have any inside information, but that is my two cents on it from what I have seen. I think there is a connection here between what happened in the previous universe into this universe, the actions of those characters and what that means as a kind of ramification for the DC animated franchise as a whole, right the way back to Superman, Doomsday and uh, Gotham Knight, the, the anthology. All of those movies from there up to this point, I think, have potentially got some kind of connection here. So that's very exciting. And I'm interested to see where that goes. What I also love, just to wrap it up, 
is the fact when so again if you think about the arrowverse version of crisis each of those episodes started with flashes and cameos of different people you know you saw burt ward you saw you saw ashley scott you saw uh, you saw characters from batman 89 you saw characters from all over the place titans doom patrol and that was a that was a wonderful way to celebrate all of dc on tv and pull in some of film Obviously, in the Flash movie, you saw Christopher Reeve, you saw, you know, Superman and Supergirl, you saw Adam West Batman. That also celebrated some of the DCU across multimedia. I really appreciate that this film hasn't just gone straight into some sort of complete cameo smorgasbord. So there were lots of people who you could theorise, I mean, wouldn't it be lovely if it turned out that Kevin Conroy had recorded some dialogue before he sadly passed away? There were loads of what-ifs questions that we could ask about this but i appreciate that this film hasn't just become that and that this isn't the case of you know kind of the greatest hits of dc animation it could become that in parts two and three and it could be well earned when it does but i like that that's not the sole intention of this film and again i applaud the writers and the creators for that and i think that is a good place to finish it so if you want to read my full review then it is up on the website, www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. You can read it now. I gave this film five stars. Um, if you want to watch the interview again, it's also going to be up on our YouTube channel as well as in this podcast. If you've not watched the film, please do go grab it. You can pick it up on digital platforms now. And as I have said already a couple of times in this podcast, it comes to 4K uh, UHD uh, Blu-ray Steelbook on January the 29th, 2024. Uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, I hope you have grabbed your copy. I hope you loved it. I want to know what you think about it as well. So please do reach out and let me know. You can find me on social media. I am at Neil Varag on all major platforms. You can, of course, follow us on all platforms as at Get Your Comic Con. We recently, as I talked about in the previous podcast, we recently joined TikTok and we're trying to figure out how that world works. So if you use it, please do follow us and help us figure out what meaningful content we can bring to you on there. And that leaves me with one final fun job. We have a copy of Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1 on 4K UHD Blu-ray Steelbook to give away. So, simply, to win, all you have to do is follow us on Twitter. Retweet the uh, the tweet of this podcast and use hashtag Geico Crisis. That is G-Y-C-O Crisis. C-R-I-S-I-S. <laughs> I hope I spelled that right. Uh, yeah, follow and retweet, basically. And you can be in with a chance of winning a copy of the film on uh, on disc and that is currently only open to uk entrance because we're working with warner brothers uk on it and it's to promote the film's uk release and so that leaves me with with just to say goodbye uh thank you for sticking with us i'm sorry that we took a little break in december but we are back there will be obviously more podcasts in 2024 and i will hopefully be joined by james and some of the rest of the team so that it's not just you having to listen to my voice over and over again we've got some really fun stuff coming up uh, i took january very very slowly uh, crisis is the only film that i have worked on so far this year i've got a really interesting apple tv series called constellation starring numi rapace to talk about with you very very soon currently under embargo i am also in the next few days going to be watching argyle the new matthew vaughan film which stars henry cavill dua lipa bryce dallas howard Catherine o'hara sam rockwell that's everyone all the usual matthew vaughan people are in there as well as some really cool other characters uh, I haven't seen it yet, going to be seen it in the next few days, so we'll be talking about that in a future podcast as well. And plenty more comic book content to come as well. 
we have also booked our flights in our hotel for San Diego Comic Con this year. So yes, Geico Does Comic Con is happening again. So really looking forward to that. Got lots of plans to make before July this year. We'll probably talk a lot more about that in the future. So until next time, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you out there. Bye. Bye.